Hello, good people. Welcome to the Chris Stefanik Show, the show that helps you find the joy that God made you for in the midst of everyday life. Don't miss us every week as we dive into real issues with real people and answer real questions. God bless you. Brothers and sisters, I love you. Thanks for being with us. One of my favorite scriptures is, The joy of the Lord must be your strength. And those words were spoken to the people of God when they were in comfort in exile, were being called to go home and rebuild their fallen city. And in the ancient world, that was a very big deal. Because if you didn't have walls around your city, that meant there was nothing to protect you from your neighbor's spears, right? And their swords. And you could, it was called a war, basically. And they heard, go home and fight and die and rebuild. And in that context, Nehemiah said, the joy of the Lord must be your strength. Wow. Listen, there's so many ways that we're being called to rebuild right now after the past few years of pandemic. But the first and foremost way you got to rebuild is by being a joyful person. Joy isn't what you get when the battle's won. It's what you need to enter the battle. It's really called it to take care of yourself, to take care of your mental and emotional health. So we're going to talk about that today, about how to rebuild your interior mental health so you can be a joyful person, and then you worry about rebuilding the world. Thanks for being with us. So this comes as no surprise. The mental health impact of the past few years has been tremendous. It's been staggering. And, and a lot of us have been uncomfortable talking about how it's impacted us. Because on one hand, there's a lot of people who have fallen ill and died. But then on the other hand, there's a lot of people who have fallen into profound depression. Murder rate has increased in the United States by 30%. That's a sign that something's going really, really wrong. Okay, that's the biggest increase. 9-11, when you included the deaths from 9-11, the murder rate increased in 2001 by 20%. We're way past that. Anxiety is up. Depression is up. Drug abuse has reached, has reached pan, its own kind of uh, pandemic that not a lot of people are talking about. And one of the reasons we're not talking about this enough is because of this, this, there's been almost a societal gaslighting that's happened where if you bring up, I'm, I'm experiencing this pain because uh, my business has failed. I've experienced lockdowns because I go to school every day and I have an auditory processing disorder and can't see my teacher's face. You know, all these things, if you bring that up, you're told right away, you got to serve the common good. It's okay, you'll get, you'll get past it. Or told right away, oh, you're just being political. It's like, no, 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 guys, I want to give you permission right now to just feel your pain. Because aside from the people who have suffered the health impact of COVID, it's okay to look at and own the emotional impact this has had on you, on your family, on your kids, and really rebuilding and claiming that joy of the Lord starts with, with being okay with not being okay and having an environment where you could say, this is how this impacted me. Let's start to rebuild. So I'm really excited to have my guest tonight who's a dear friend of mine and a Catholic psychologist, Jim Langley. Good to be on, man. Yeah, it's love exciting. you, brother. It's good to be with you. Okay, and yeah. speaking of Catholic psychologists, man, we need so many more of you. It's crazy. There's a lot of good uh, um, job security going on right now. I'll say see, that at least. <laughs> there's one, see, one guy smiling through the entire COVID experience. <laughs> the business is rolling in. It wasn't Wuhan. It was a uh, therapist. Yeah, yeah seriously, cool thing, man. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's the new conspiracy theory. <laughs> Thera- Catholic therapists developed this in a lab to drum up business. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, sum up the, uh, for me the, the, some of the mental health things that you're seeing come to the surface, the, the repeat threads and themes that you're seeing again and again. And I'm sorry, before I have you answer that question, 
we do this live so we can take your questions. So interrupt our flow, interrupt my questions anytime. Text 720-650-0100. We want to take your questions because we love you. You're why we're here. So, Jim, what are some of the, the things you're seeing rise to the surface? I don't know as if you've noticed, but uh, the last couple of years have been a little bit of a mess, to say mm-hmm, the least, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, I don't think it's just because of COVID and the pandemic. I think this has been coming for a while, the direction our culture is headed with. Social media and the, and the immense pressure that we live under, mm-hmm. uh, our cultural values are not promoting happiness. And that's what we're all pursuing. We're all pursuing mm-hmm. happiness. And the number one thing that we've lost is a sense of control. All of a sudden, we don't have security in our work. Mm-hmm. Our kids may not be going to school. We're stuck under the same roof uh, with spouses that maybe we don't get along with. And we've lost, we've lost control. And then when we lose control... What happens is we start to go into a psychological panic. And when we panic, we get stupid, Chris. Yes, our, we do. Our man. IQs drop when we're panicked, oh, yeah. <laughs> about 20 points. And uh, if you look at our cultural dialogue these days, everybody around us has, uh, we're all stupid, right? Uh, yeah, we can't talk about anything. No, I mean, it's, it's uh, murder rate up 30%. Exactly. It's a society that's, that's panicked. I love what you said, though, that this was, I mean, COVID is what, tipped us over the edge That's right. of a, a precondition. And that precondition, the things you brought up, and this is why I love a Catholic psychologist, um, you can recognize the distinction between a genuine psychological issue uh, that's caused by maybe chemical imbalance in the brain or difficult life experience, but then there's psychological issues caused by metaphysical issues. That's right. And a lot of people find themselves in a counselor's chair because of metaphysical problems. That's right. And, and by metaphysical, I mean, you know, here, here's... <laughs> not new agey. Yeah, not new, like metaphysical, not like meta, like Facebook like meta. Like St. Thomas Aquinas. Thomas Aquinas, like the, your whole worldview. Right. Like if there's no God, there's no inherent purpose, nothing happens when I die, and I'm supposed to be happy? Yeah. But control masks that. That's right. You know, it's one, one way to show that this is all... Uh, an illusion is is thinking about what the nature of happiness is. And I'll go to neuropsychology for this. So there's some really good research out there that basically breaks down the idea of happiness is about 50% brain wiring. That's why there's some people who are kind of genuinely happy, mm. kind of like you. And then there's those... Kind of sanguine guy. Yeah. There's, some, there's some Eeyores out there, right? Just yeah. kind of naturally, yeah, my, temperamentally. My son, Ethan. My son, Ethan, was like, Dad, <laughs> you're, you're, you wake up and you're kind of happy. He's like, Wait, what? I hate you. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, man. <laughs> so it's 50% yeah, brain yeah. wiring. mindset and only 10% circumstances. And so our circumstances, yeah, they've fallen apart over the last two years. But that is only 10% of what makes us happy. And that's uh, the circumstances going well covers up the the mindset problems, doesn't it? Because we can live in an illusion that we have have control. So there's some blessings in this. It's amazing. I think so. Right? I mean, we, we joked about how it drives people to counseling, but it's like it's driving people to things that they need to actually deal with. Absolutely. Yeah. Jesus, Jesus encounters us in our brokenness. That's where mm-hmm. he wants to meet us. He doesn't want to, I mean, he can meet us wherever he wants, but truly soul converting growth happens in our deepest wounds. Mm-hmm. And so we've got to address it. We've got to bring it out. Isn't that annoying? It's terrible. <laughs> I wish it were any other way. Seriously. Like, Lord, really? Because he peels like Burmese. Like, he peels back a layer. It's like, okay, I'm good. And he's like, yeah, I'll let you stay good for five going. minutes. Man. Let's, let's go back to the next layer. And then working on those wounds. Um, 
Yeah, the, the pandemic's been a blessing for me in a lot of ways. Because mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's unearthed for me different wounds I didn't even know I had. And I was operating at a certain level with my international speaking. Right. Where it's like I'm just kicking butt all around the world, these events, and that was taken away, and I, it goes with the control, right? Right. And then I realized, uh, oh, I need to be doing that not to feel elated and arrogant. I don't come off elated and arrogant to people, thank, thank God, but because I needed to do that to feel normal. Like I needed to be helping everybody. It's hilarious. I told my Eloise, I'm like, God's healing me of some things. Like I have this like, need to make everybody happy. And she goes, can I have a puppy? <laughs> Smart <laughs> Without kid. missing a beat. Smart 13 kid. year old girl. But uh, how, before, before we get more into other people, how is this whole uh, time of pandemic and the, you know, God shifting your own um, stability in life in different ways, how has it blessed and healed you? I have to be honest, you know, I can't say that the pandemic has struck me as deeply as I think a lot of people mm, around mm, me. Mm. You know, I had my work was blessed to stay stable. And instead, I was able to have, I mean, that year of lockdown, just an incredible time investing in my family. Yeah. I had more time hanging out with my family than I ever had before. Yeah. My wife decided to homeschool the kids for a year. That was a short, awesome. short-lived experiment, but it was oh, yeah. a beautiful year. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to get to Tim from Boston's question in Let's a second. But first, um, you said you had a lot of time at home. Now, I know you've seen this in your, in your counselor's chair, right? Yeah. People coming in because I have too much time at home. Right. right. This can be a source of tremendous strain in marriages who have this ideal that like, more time equals better. Yeah, Tell you, me what you've experienced You know what's that. so interesting is our normal everyday life gives mm. some natural boundaries around our relationships. Mm. And if you think about it, every relationship in the world has boundaries. It should have boundaries. Boundaries are good. You can look at Jesus, and that dude had amazing boundaries, actually. And then all of a yeah. sudden, you're under the same roof with uh, you know, five crazy boys and upstairs and it's just it's <laughs> really the Langley house. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> some real some real yeah. intense moments. And you're never apart from the other person. Mm. And so there's never the, you know, the sadness of separation and the bliss of mm-hmm. reunion. It's just kind of constant all the time. There's nothing new. And that is, I mean, that's a genuinely hard thing for a lot of people. Yeah. And you know? and a lot of marriages have, have ended during no this, doubt during about this time. it. That's been really hard to yeah. see. I mean, Personally and professionally, I've seen seen it. It's right. been really terrible. But it has. It's one of those ways that we, it's the, this false control has unearthed a wound. It's like, dude, you don't have, you don't have any healthy boundaries. That's right. You have to draw those. And that's yeah. and when people lean in, when we like that's our own experience in spiritual life. When we don't lean in, the stuff crushes us. When we lean in, pick up our cross and follow Him, and we're not Amen. dragging it anymore. It that is precisely the path that makes us who God's calling us to be. Tim from Boston, uh, does psychologists practice what they preach? Can they fall into a depression, always helping people deal with their issues in this extreme society without dealing with their own? You know what's so funny about that is I tell people that I should put a mirror right to the right of my my therapy couch so that I can look into that mirror when I'm giving a client advice and be like, this one's for you, Jim. (laughs) Because, yeah, I'm a normal person. I have all kinds of – just ask my kids. We could have the kids on the show and they could give a whole – Long list. My wife give, yeah. give me a list of all the things I need to take yeah. to confession. I'm just as broken as everybody else. The benefit is that I get to marinate in growth all day long. Mm. You know, you can't if you're watching people around you grow. You mm. kind of can't help, and you're a total hypocrite if you can't help but grow yourself. So, are you go? Do you go to therapy yourself as a therapist? And is <laughs> and is this common for counselors to go to counselors? We have 
Therapy is a big part of my household for sure. It's yeah. really, really important. Psychological health is important, as is as is our spiritual health. So my wife and I both share a spiritual director, because Saint Teresa of Avila said, uh, "He who has himself for a spiritual director has a fool for a spiritual director." Oh, that's good. <laughs> that's good. Man. It's the same same I, with I, psychology. I love that you don't have a stigma around that. Obviously, you don't because it's the field you're in. I want to encourage everybody watching: get rid of any stigma you have around therapy. I go, I go myself uh, periodically. Our family has has a free Saint Raphael's counseling, right? That's, that's what, right. Jim runs. What, what, what's the URL for that? www.saintraphaelcounseling.com. Perfect. So my family has frequent flyer miles there. And uh, <laughs> but, but really, I mean, like everybody's got stuff they got to deal with, and when everybody you, you need someone to touch base with. And I'm a huge fan of spiritual direction of a good Catholic uh, therapist. And uh, it's hilarious when I, I can go into my therapist's office and see in the corner a stack of my own books. It's like, uh, That's but awesome. no matter how together you think you got it, it's like, dude, you, well, you wrote the book on half, on half the stuff that. Uh-huh. Here's how you got to do it today, and, and how it's unearthed wounds and adds. But that's beautiful. authenticity. That's right, man. Yeah, that's right. Okay, great question. In therapy for the last month, I'm struggling with dealing with emotions and how I can communicate through those emotions. So this person's had a lot of stuff kicked up, uh, and when all that's in your face, how do you communicate through that to people in a normal way around you? Man, that's a tough question. That is a tough question. That's a super tough one. I would, I would encourage you to take time and be patient with yourself. A lot of times when we experience growth, we just want to be like, oh, man, I'm going to make all these changes. And, you know, growth is, is a slow process. Sometimes we are, you know, just smacked over the head with these big epiphanies. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Jesus works in our hearts over our entire lives. He's never, never not at work in our hearts. And so, I, yeah, take time. Write it down. I think there's an element of just you need to digest it for yourself, right? You need to understand yourself and then then take it out to others. And then the other part is, yeah, it's going to come out messy. Turns out our brokenness is really, really messy. Mm. And you can't be afraid of that. You know, mm. that's, and if the people around you who love you, they'll be able to accept that and embrace that and love you just right on through that. So I wouldn't worry too much about having a perfect recipe for how to communicate through your emotions. You just have to to try. You just have to practice. Hallelujah. I love, I mean, as you were talking, I thought of how our Lord, when he rose from the dead, still had the holes in his hands. Exactly. Still had a hole in his side. And it was this, uh, it was this resurrected, healed brokenness. Yeah. But that, that didn't make the wounds go away. And That's there's, right. a, there's a, a way that through the, through the messiness, the Lord shines through, through our, our, the holes in our hands and side. Um, you're, you're, you're dealing with a lot of kids, and, and a lot of people at St. Raph's are dealing with a lot of kids. Uh, the instability in a child's life. I mean, there's adults who have this illusion of control, which I, dude, as soon as the, the, the pandemic hit and you go to the grocery store and there's no meat, it's like, uh, control is gone. Yeah, it's, it's like this was an illusion. <laughs> you know, here Real I'm in quick. America, there's always supposed to be meat. <laughs> it's like, no, we're, we're three days away from all the grocery stores running out of essentials, like at all times. That's right. Uh, wow. But kids don't even have that. Like, a lot of them don't have that. Uh, you know, that awareness or level of control that adults have. Uh, but the little they do have, the need, there's certain needs for just basic rhythm of life that were taken away. Like you have school today, oh, you're home for two weeks. Someone in your, your class got COVID. Um, gosh, I, I think we haven't given uh, ample attention to the, to the cost of all our precautions. I really don't. 
Yeah, because uh, how much good Books are we are doing gonna be written about versus this. the harm we've done psychologically? Uh, there's a, there's, this is a legitimate conversation that as soon as you start to have it, you're accused of being political, That's right. which is totally crazy. Um, but what, what's some of the costs you've seen of our precautions on kids? I mean, I've seen in my own house, uh, I mean, Denver County had this thing where they wanted two-year-olds to be masked. It's like, a two-year-old's going to have more fecal matter in their mask by the end of the day. I understand, like, I'm not arguing about masks, okay, you know, but, like, there's... Right. There, there is a cost in these kinds of things. So what are you seeing in children? Uh, what are some of the things you're treating because of what they've been through? Yeah. You know, anxiety is one of the most contagious emotions that mm. there is. There's a research mm. study that put two people in an elevator. One person mm. is anxious and the other person is not. They don't talk to each other. They just go up the elevator and... Wow. In just that short 30-second trip of no, no interaction, that anxiety just by being in the same space is contagious. Wow. And so the best thing we can do as parents uh, is to be really aware of that. Our anxiety is so contagious to our kids. There's this belief out there that children are so resilient. And yeah, of course they're resilient to a degree. But uh, they look to our, us as adults to be grounded. Mm. And so if, if we lack grounding... We're not, we can't hide it from our kids. Mm. And so it's, I think it's a call for us as the adults, as parents, as teachers, to double down on our own groundedness and mindfulness and, and just being you know, spiritually aware so that that can be contagious. That's a powerful thing to contemplate. Anxiety is contagious. I mean, there's the, there's the one level of anxiety that's uh, uh, clinical and caused by, uh, you know, chemical imbalances in the brain that might precondition someone for anxiety attacks, right? Right. Then there's the level of anxiety that comes from, that it's circumstantial and can be controlled, not, not just with a pill, but, do you, you know, that we, everyday anxieties. Yeah. Like when I'm freaking out as a dad. Yeah, all the time. Right? <laughs> or when the, when the thermostat in the Stefanik household is set to chaos. <laughs> That's where we're comfortable, chaos. Uh-huh. Everything's peaceful, but add a puppy. And uh, <laughs> the kids catch that. Wow, wow. So you're seeing a lot of anxiety among children. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Annie from Connecticut, how do we help uh, fellow faith group members let go of our meeting via Zoom and start meaningful in person, uh, start meeting in person to give more meaningful uh, kinship for our souls? Let me ask you this first. Is is, is Zoom a a, a viable replacement long term for face to face interaction? (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) You know, as. Someone who has ADD, yeah. I can't stand Zoom. Personally. Oh my gosh, me too. It's the worst. I'm looking at my own face half the time. Oh, it's so, yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, obviously it has its place, right? Like I yeah. can do counseling with somebody who's on, you know, the western side of Colorado, and, yep. you know, in Grand Junction or something. Yep. And that's, there's something amazing about that. But it, it, we lose our human connection, obviously. And I think so much of it has to do with fear. And so, mm-hmm. you know, having dialogue that's maybe not so much confrontational, but just encouraging people to get back, starting in small little ways, being around each other for short periods of time, I think mm-hmm. that, that can go a long way. But absolutely, like we, we are yeah. missing community right now. Oh, yeah. I, I, I think, too, I mean, I, I, I'm pushing for a big renewal in small group ministries. And a lot of people are doing Zoom for small groups. And that, that, that can be great, especially if you live in a place where there's no other fellowship around, um, but just calling out the fact that, that it's not a substitute for face-to-face. No. You know, it, it can be a real blessing. It's one of the ways technology can be a blessing, but it's not the same. Um, I, I think going, going to counseling is kind of like there's 
if, if you get injured, you go to the doctor, right? You, you can't just fix it yourself, right? right. But there is first aid uh, that you could do at home, right? And you don't, you know, if I just need a little Band-Aid, I'm not going to go to the doctor. Yeah. And there's certain things people can be doing at home right now in the midst of the instability and anxiety and anger in society yeah. uh, to bring peace into their home yeah. and maybe some healing to their own souls. Uh, also, some things that people need to be doing just to, I don't know, resurrect their own, like, get up. Right? I, I, are you, I don't know if you're seeing this a lot. Oh, totally. Right? But there's a general malaise of like, I've been mm-hmm. kind of beat. The, the, the repeat beatdowns of like, I can't rely on anything, can't make plans. I'm not, I'm not able to, to conquer in the way I want to. I mean, in yeah. some ways, the control is a good thing. Yeah. That I can now exercise my power to use my gifts. But there's a general like low-grade depression I'm seeing everywhere. So for the low-grade stuff, right, and for the first aid stuff, give, give me some practical advice what people should be doing right now. Yeah, there's, uh, for those of you who have taken Psych 101, you would have come across this pretty crazy uh, study in which this psychologist named Martin Seligman took a bunch of dogs, and he put them on an electrified floor, mm. and he would shock these poor dogs. And, mm. you know, you can imagine the first two or three times you shock the dogs, they're jumping around, they're yelping, they want to get out. Here. No, it's totally different. Okay, okay. Dog, we psychologists like dogs a lot. Okay. Well, we like to harm you like them. You like to torture apparently. dogs. Yeah. Horrible people. That's a side. side. <laughs> we started the pandemic and we torture dogs. Great. <laughs> so the first few times you shock the dogs, they're running away. But by the 10th time you shock them and they can't escape, they're just laying there. Right? Wow. They can't get out. They, they give up. And so what has this pandemic done, right? We're stuck in our houses. We can't go out. Wow. I went like a year and a half without even going to a movie theater. And for a lot of people who are stuck in apartments, it's totally understandable. So this phenomenon is called learned helplessness. And so learned helplessness. Learned helplessness. A good phrase to, to, now, to know. Now, prisoners of war, Vietnam, World War mm-hmm. II, they they figured out their own solutions to this learned helplessness. Right? They're way more helpless than we are during the lockdowns. Yeah. They find little ways in their life to to find joy, mm-hmm. and they find little ways in their life to take control and it can be very small right so might be making sure that you get up and do 10 push-ups an object at rest tends to stay at rest and so Mm. you've got to and we call it in psychology do opposite action uh, and get yourself moving Mm. Um, that's really big and and can they especially when i think of like really traumatic things well prisoner of war and frankly there's been parts of the world where the lockdowns were so intense that it was was traumatic. Uh, Melbourne, Australia has had 262 days of lockdown. 262 days. I have a friend who was a priest there. He said, I haven't had any COVID funerals, but a lot of suicide funerals. Right? How long does it take to rebuild? And and can someone who's, who's really experienced that level of beating down get back to where they had been in functionality through those little steps? Right, it's, it's huge. You know, so we've had one element of trauma is when your worldview gets shaken, the way that you see the world as being a safe place. You, it's been taken from you. Mm-hmm. And this is actually such an awesome opportunity for us as Catholics because we have something the world doesn't. We have Jesus. We don't, yeah. we don't need Biden or Trump or anyone to be in control because mm-hmm. we have the Lord. He's way more powerful. And this is a great time actually to be evangelistic. Get out there and show people joy. Mm. You know, conversion, I don't think conversion happens as much through super airtight theology as much as it happens through joy. That's mm. contagious. And so if, as Christians, we can kindle in ourselves our own joy and peace. Then 
we can you know get out there and really change the world. The time is ripe. Yes, and to get intentional, I think I think about well, that's why I wrote this book during the lockdown for myself. Right, because like I got to get intentional about being joyful. It was a way to to stay stay you know within my own little world. I couldn't control anything going on around me, but to take steps to be who I want to be in the midst of the chaos. Mm, I love that. Yeah, uh, great question. How can prayer help with mental health? And I would add to that, you know, sometimes people can can blur the line and over-spiritualize mental health problems. You know, uh, conversely, some people can say, well, it's all mental health, all about mental health, and you guys who bring religion are, you know, you really have anything to say. Right, so wh- where where's the line between the two, and how does prayer in your oh, relationship man. with Jesus help you have... Uh, peace without over-spiritualizing every mental health issue. You know, I've written articles and have done hour-long talks on this I'm very sure topic, so this is... Uh, this Sadly, we've got five minutes, this but is we'll a tough have to one. back on this one. You know, I think, I think that people will turn to whatever defense mechanism they want that makes them feel less vulnerable and more safe. Mm. So if it's safer to be like, oh, it's, it's all spiritual, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's kind of cool to be, have demonic oppression or something like that. Mm. Or... It might be more safe to be like, there's no way there's anything spiritual has to do with this. Mm. And that can be a safe place to dwell as well. The the beauty is it's all interconnected. Mm. It's all interconnected. And, I, you know, we call it St. Raphael counseling. It means God's medicine because we really believe that only God does the healing. We're Mm. just the instruments. And so prayer is absolutely an essential element to true, deep, lasting change, that kind of conversion we all are longing for. Boy, that's awesome. It's not that fault. We, we make these false divisions in our own mind. Yeah. You know, yeah. If you have cancer, you're going to pray for healing, and God wants you to, to go get chemo. Both. But, it's both and. Yeah, and if, and if you're healed because you did that process, you're also going to say, thank God. It's the, it's the God and secondary causes, right? That's right. It's that, that whole theology of, uh, you know, if, if we have a snow day tomorrow, thank God for the snow day. <laughs> well, no, you should thank the weather patterns. No, no. I, I'm going to thank God who is the ultimate cause of all the weather, weather patterns and as we engage the healing processes, yeah. I, I want to read those articles. I'll send them your way, yes, And where can people Google to find them, frankly? I, I, the interweb. The interwebs. Google Jim Langley, <laughs> mental health I articles. Don't... Someone said, my daughter wants counseling but does not want to see anyone religious. How do I find someone who's Catholic but just a professional counselor for my daughter? And someone uh, asked before this one um, about where to go for her daughter who's not really convinced she needs counseling, but her daughter does. Um, I'll let you take that. Yeah. Well, uh, there are a lot of good counselors out there who maybe are Catholic and don't necessarily advertise themselves as being Catholic. But I think an important thing for you to know is it's not like someone walks into the counseling room and I'm like blessing them and we're praying. Like we meet people where they're at. And a good counselor will be able to meet your daughter where she's at. And it's not about shoving Jesus down her throat. Right. It's about meeting her where she's at. Um, and so bringing them, bringing her in and just having, it's a safe initial conversation. Keep the, the bigger of a deal you make it, the bigger of a deal it's going to feel to your daughter. And so making it just approachable and safe is, is probably the way to go there. Take away the stigma. Uh, yeah, and I, I, th- I, mean, I think a key distinction is if someone were to walk into your office and say, I'm suffering from anxiety, and you said, Say ten rosaries. That would be over spiritualizing. Exactly. Right? They, that person should say the ten rosaries. That's great for you, yeah. right? Not to say that's not, not going to help, but uh, there's a, another pathway to deal with it. Um, so when, when people go to Saint Raphs or a good Catholic therapist counselor, um, you're getting counseling that comes at you from the context of a Catholic worldview. And I would only trust my kids to someone who has that. 
Otherwise, the worldview that they might have behind the advice they're giving. That's so true. Your worldview is always going to shape the way you do the counseling. And I know you're trained not to have that happen, but it's always well, going it's to. You can't, get it's in impossible. There. Of course it is. Yeah. Uh, and if, if you have someone who's, who's into the occult or you have someone who's a total secularist atheist, they're going to turn your brain to mush, man. Mm-hmm. There's no way I trust those people. But that doesn't mean that, that the, the everyday experience of the healing process is going to be where you're just talking about God the whole time. Right. You know, a good Catholic counselor is not going to be doing that. Uh, do you see non-Catholic patients? Uh, all the time. There's no rule yeah. that it's you good have to be Catholic. Christian counseling or, yeah. or non-Christian too, but I'm going to guess most of your like patients are Christian. Jesus saying, do you talk to non-Christians? Yeah. Well, talk to anybody. Yeah. <laughs> we just want to bring healing to people. That's right. Yeah, man. Yeah. Of course. How do you, uh, another question here. How, how do you uh, draw the line with your own kids and your own family dynamics? When you could see in a fight in your own family, it's like, my wife's acting out of this family dynamic from her childhood. She was a second child, and this is why she's doing this. And you, you got all the training to know these things going on, and you probably would have a shoe thrown at you if you tried that on Nikki, right? My, <laughs> how do you, did, did, did you turn that part of your brain off? Oh, we have very long conversations <laughs> Over a, a good drink okay. every weekend to, to process that stuff through, and um, I take off the Dr. Jim hat because she wouldn't let me wear it anyway. No, totally, <laughs> she'd beat me. All right. <laughs> so, do you literally like? I, I can see a, a dynamic here and bring psychology language into this, and you just check it at the door. Uh, no, but you can't no, fully. It's, all, it's 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 all valid, and then she has this amazing gift of bringing the spiritual side of it, so mm. we can you know, really capture both in a good conversation. And if you're vulnerable with one another, it doesn't really matter what lingo you're using. We trust each other. You want to awesome. grow, become holier. Awesome, man. Well, hey, we got another like 30 seconds. I want to give you the camera. Uh, just anybody who's watching this because they thought, I want to tune in tonight because I'm go- going through a lot of pain. Uh, just a word of advice and wisdom, what to do with the pain that they can't quite make sense out of yet. What would you say to this person? Yeah, I'm happy to, to say something. Your Here's the difference between a Catholic worldview and the secular world. We're called to be saints, and we are made saints through our suffering. I'm not going to tell you to, you know, that saying, offer it up. No, that's, I hate that saying personally. It's more like Jesus will encounter you in that suffering. He wants to meet you there. And if you're willing to let him in and be vulnerable, then he can do amazing things with it. Praise God. Thanks, brother. Yeah. Learned a lot tonight, including that, that Catholic therapists started the pandemic. They love to torture dogs. <laughs> Sorry. But seriously, man, a lot of wisdom, brother. I really, Happy to be I here. I really appreciate you. Give us that URL one more time because I want to push that. It's www.strafaelcounseling.com. Yeah. And, and guys, the Lord loves you so much. He, he, he wants your healing. He wants your good. And he wants his joy to be your strength. He created you for joy. So let's keep leaning into that together as we all rebuild our interior life, myself included, Jim included, all of us, and, and, and work through our wounds with Jesus to live that life to the full that he made us for. We'll see you next week. Man, wasn't that great? Listen, if you don't want to be happy, be sure not to subscribe. But if you want a more joyful life, the kind of life that God created you for, the kind of life Jesus promised when he said, I came to give you life to the full, then make sure you hit subscribe and share this channel with everybody you know.